0: In today's episode of Discovering Wholeness, we'll continue discussing the importance of pastors and caretakers doing their own healing work. Today specifically, we want to broaden the conversation about the individual caregiver to the whole leadership team. Because if you're the only person in an organization doing their healing work, that can be tough, even impossible. So we wanna talk about creating a culture of healing that permeates all levels of leadership. Season one of Discovering Wholeness is sponsored by the Hayden Institute. Integrate spirituality with Jungian teachings in the Hayden Institute's two-year certification course in spiritual direction training. Participants develop understanding of the art and practice of spiritual direction. They learn mystical and contemplative practices of Christianity and other ancient spiritual traditions. Join faculty and mentors at the Hayden Institute in using tools like Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, and DreamWork to engage in self-discovery, transformation, and the experience of spiritual companionship. Learn more at haydeninstitute.com.
1: Welcome to Discovering Wholeness, a podcast for any human practicing being for healing trauma and unearthing self. I'm Kendra Frazier.
0: I'm Julian Drader. And I'm Kendall Rothis. We are your hosts and we invite you to join us as we peel back
2: the layers of trauma and discover our innate wholeness. Trauma has been a significant part of many of our journeys, whether those traumas are with a big T or with a little T.
1: We gather each week to discuss trauma, spirituality, and staying grounded as we heal ourselves and walk alongside those who are healing.
0: We're so glad you've joined us. You can participate in the larger conversation with us on Instagram and Facebook at Discovering Wholeness Podcast.
1: I would like to invite you into a body relaxation exercise You can lay someplace comfortable or stay sitting to keep your body relaxed. Reach up above your head, stretching your arms, stretching your body and making it tall. Now bring your arms down and let your arms relax. Place them at your sides loosely. Now again, bring your arms over your head But this time, breathe in as you reach up and stretch. And now breathe out as you relax and place your arms at your side. One more stretch up. Arms up, breathing in. And now arms down, breathing out, relaxing. Sit now and let your arms rest at your sides. See how your breathing can relax you by taking slow, deep breaths. Breathe in and hold that breath. Now breathe out very slowly. Breathe in again, holding that breath. And now breathe out. Keep breathing deeply and slowly. Place one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach. Feel your hands moving up and out as you breathe in and down as you breathe out. Feel your hands moving with your chest and stomach, gently moving in and out with each breath. Now bring your hands back to your side and let's keep noticing how we breathe. Now you finish this breathing relaxation, you can begin to stretch your muscles now and come back into this present moment whenever you're ready.
0: Kendall Rothis, and I will be facilitating today's conversation with my incredible co-hosts, Kendra Frazier and Jillian Drader. Last week's conversation, part one of the wounded pastor caregiver, felt so important to me, maybe because I am a pastor and a caregiver, and I know that today we want to look not just at the individual leader, but the whole leadership structure. But before we dive into that, I'm wondering if anything else came up for the two of you as caregivers yourselves after our conversation last week. And I'll give you a minute to think about it and share what came up for me. Um, I got to thinking after we finished recording about the barriers piece we talked about, how there are these things that can get in the way of us doing our own healing work and I was thinking how often, both for me and for people I've known, the thing that gets in the way of doing the work is fear. Like I'm afraid of what's in there. If I start digging, I I just I know I've got some really painful shit stored in my memories and in my body, and that can be scary to deal with. And for good reason, it's, it's not easy work. And anyway, I was, I was just thinking about fear being a really big barrier that we didn't get to discuss last time. And so I thought about, okay, how have I overcome that fear in the past? Um, a few things came to mind for me, uh, friendship for one has been so important, like allowing someone trustworthy into my healing process so that I'm not bearing it all alone has been huge for me, just huge. Because when I know I'm not alone, then the bravery grows, I think. Um, And then it also helps me to think about the fact that like, yes, it's going to be painful if I do this work. But it's not exactly going to be a walk in the park if I don't do this work, you know? Um, So it's my choice. Like, if I'm going to consciously engage the trauma with intention, or if I'm going to ignore it, which is not actually going to be effective, and so the trauma will be forced to come out in ways that are probably ultimately more destructive. And so when I do get a – when I do have that fear, it's like I think about, okay, you know, yes, there's some scariness about diving into the pain, but then there are also consequences of not, of not diving into it. Um, Anyway, so I just, I was just thinking a lot about that fear piece. Um, And I think healing for me has, has required cultivating a relationship to my fear, not eradicating it, but learning how to work with it and choose courage despite my fears. Um, So, yeah, that came up for me after we were talking last week. And Kendra, Jillian, I'm I'm wondering if anything else came up for either of you last week after part one of the conversation about the wounded pastor that you wanted to share before we move on.
1: Thanks, Kendall, for sharing what came up for you and inviting us to join you in that. I think fear also came up for me, and I totally agree Mm -hmm. with you, fear in addressing the trauma. For me, it was fear of leaving. Because we talked somewhat about mm. having to leave the church or contemplating leaving the church if you are in a spiritual environment that's not in alignment with your wellness and wholeness. And I thought about Yala Van Zandt in one of her books. She talks about how surrender is the antidote to fear. Um, she, she names it as this ability to achieve mental and emotional release and an acknowledgement of the power of spiritual activity. Um, and so I was thinking about in, in the fear of leaving or contemplating leaving for the spiritual leader, also this fear of not living into this martyrdom culture that I think exists in so many spiritual communities, whether that's church, temples, or mosques. Um, I'm thinking about the spiritual leader who is... Thinking about what will happen if I say no or thinking about what will happen if I don't take on this task or thinking about what will happen if I don't like something and I'm afraid to say it. Um, And I feel like it's these maladaptive thought patterns spiritual leaders have to really surrender in order to move through the fear. And I think moving through the fear with courage, like you said before, is really an opportunity for us to begin to confront a lot of the trauma traumatic experiences that happen in our lives, whether that be through vicarious trauma or through a direct experience of it. And I think being able to shift uh, our gaze of spiritual leaders, not having to do everything, um, we can rest in the stillness of just being to get mm. some of the healing that we need.
0: That's such a good word, Kendra. I, I have certainly felt that pressure to, to do everything and be everything. And, and the fear of, you know, what will happen if I say no? I think you absolutely named another fear that we often
2: face. I think for um, for me, I just resonate so much with what both of you have said. And what came up for me, and even as I'm hearing both of you share now, it's it's kind of even getting a little bit more energized, is the, the pressure that leaders and pastors feel to have to have it all together. And so it just makes me think of the importance of, of cultivating self compassion, and, and having the same empathy for ourselves, as we're wanting to foster and offer to the people that are coming to us, the people that we serve. And, um, you know, when you were talking, Kendra, uh, and mentioning the word antidote, it reminds me of um, Brene Brown's work around, you know, shame, because I think that's the other thing that comes so quickly around fear is shame. Um, And so how empathy, she would say, is the antidote to shame, but how are we cultivating that empathy um, for ourselves as much as for others and the importance of that Uh, Because the shame can shut us down um, and not allow us to step into the work that we are wanting to do or recognize that we need to do to be our best selves in our work and our lives. Um, So along with fear, I was just really being reminded about where shame can show up and how that can shut us down too. and, And the importance of recognizing that when it's arriving on our doorstep and how to work with that. Yeah.
1: Thank you for being bringing shame into the room and Brene Brown's work. I love her work. Um, And she talks about um, one of the, the components of being shame resilient is to really practice vulnerability which I think is what we're inviting people to do in this podcast, to be vulnerable enough to say when you need help, to be vulnerable enough to say when you're not feeling well, to be vulnerable enough to say that I can't do this particular thing right now because I simply don't have the capacity. Um, and I think that it—that that is one of the reasons why it's so important for spiritual communities to be aware of what it means to be trauma-informed so they can make room for the pastor simply to be when it's needed and not have to do so much mm. doing.
0: Yeah. And I think specifically, you know, in spiritual contexts, we are we often sort of demonize fear and shame so that you know, it's it's even harder to admit that you're experiencing them because they're somehow unspiritual <laughs> characteristics rather than human emotions that we all experience. And so, you know, if we can we can just sort of normalize the fact that we all experience fear and shame um i think that's one step to overcoming the obstacle is just naming that it's that it's present
1: i i am i don't i'm led to mention this here i do this um this talk on facebook uh, or usually on mondays at 11 11 a.m. and my last um, post that i did was around shame and the set table and talking about my own connection to shame recently with the traumatic experience that I had and having this thought because I have a beautiful terrace. I stay um, in the middle of uptown where I am and I'm 20 floors up. And this thought came like, what would happen if you jump off? Right. And then processing it with my therapist, because I was just like, this is not a thought that is alignment with how I usually think. Like something is up, Kendra, something is inviting you to, to sit with why you are contemplating ending your life. Um, And I was clear that I didn't want to die. um, So let me make that clear, but also clear that it was an invitation to go and see about myself. And so in therapy, I discovered that what what I was carrying was a lot of shame about my recent traumatic church experience that I had that did not belong to me. Um, It was shame that was induced from that spiritual community because they didn't know how to engage me in a time of my own spiritual awakening and what I think Howard Thurman would call a creative encounter with God because of their own um, inability to deal with their own traumatic experiences. So I named that for the spiritual leaders or for those that are listening um, who are having those thoughts as well to let them know that um, you're worthy and you're of value and it's only an invitation to go see about yourself Um, because I don't think that that most people who have suicidal ideation don't want to actually die but they want to get rid of the pain and so within me excavating my own um, experience and talking to my therapist about it therapist about it who's a somatic experience practitioner to walk with me and journey with me to process through what I found out was shame. Because shame can really isolate us and pigeonhole us into picking up things that don't belong to us.
0: Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Kendra. I th- That is so power- powerful for me to hear you tell that story because, you know, you you took this thought that came in your head sitting on the balcony and some of us could be like, Oh my gosh, like, where did that come from? I wouldn't want anyone to know I had that thought. And instead, what you said is you realized it was an invitation, you know, to, to go ask for help and to go deeper within and figure out where that was coming from. And that's just beautiful. And so empowering to see it as an invitation for further healing rather than like something to be embarrassed um, and, and secretive about. Gosh, thank you guys both so much for sharing. I, I didn't know what was coming up for either of you, and I, so I'm so glad I asked. I'm so glad I asked that question. Um, I'd like to transition a bit now from talking about our individual work to the work of a leadership team. Um, many of us don't work alone. We work with other staff or with volunteers. And it seems to me that if everybody in leadership isn't on board with acknowledging the importance of healing from trauma, it can be really difficult to sustain that on an individual level. Um, Kendra, I'm thinking about, you know, I know you work specifically with organizations um, as part of your work. And so I'm wondering if you could share a story about how you've seen that dynamic play out before where the whole team isn't on the same page and therefore it becomes really challenging for an individual leader inside the team to do their healing work.
1: The first thing that comes to mind for me is being present with spiritual leaders who um, are having a spiritual awakening or Um, on the verge of having a a mental health crisis and the spiritual community that they belong to um, don't have the tools or, or the knowingness, the education to connect with them in a way of help and support. And so typically what happens, I think, in families and in spiritual communities or with people in general, when we don't understand something, we shun it and condemn it. And so I've seen spiritual leaders who, who are walking along the journey of healing um, or, or spiritual openness and that spiritual community not welcome them. So maybe they end up being terminated, maybe they end up being put on leave when really they need an opportunity to either one, dive into their own mental health wellness, or two, be be in partnership with some type of spiritual director or healer to get the support that they need spiritually. Um, I've also seen it where um, there are varying mental health diagnoses that spiritual leaders may come into the awareness of um, along their call to ministry. And because um, a pastoral team or spiritual team may not be aware of some of the presentations of that particular diagnosis, um, they end up seeing it as a threat or an affront to the establishment when it's really someone in need of mental health support. Um, So I've seen it show up in those ways.
0: Yeah, thank you, Kendra, for sharing that. And I mean, in light of what you've shared, I'm wondering what ideas do you and Jillian have for how do you build a trauma-informed team? Um, And as you share those ideas, I'm really curious to know, do you have any examples of how you've seen this done well in real life? (laughs) Like, I, I find it can be so easy to dream, you know, of a better way of doing things, but I'd love to hear if anyone is actually doing this better. Um, And if so, what does that, does that look like? Um, So Jillian, I'll, I'll start with you. What, what are your ideas for how we might build a trauma informed team in our, in our organization, our church, our nonprofit, whatever it might be?
2: Um, And, and have you seen examples of that done well? i really aware that I'm still sitting with um, the power of what Kendra shared earlier, and I, I really feel that it ties so importantly into this conversation about building a trauma-informed team. So what I was thinking about in terms of how do we build this trauma-informed team that makes the space for the leadership to be able to be vulnerable, honest, open, um, is to I got this sense of almost pulling the lens back that rather than starting with how do we create trauma informed, it's like, how do we actually build a, a healthy container to start with? What are the ways that we can develop our teams? And I thought about really practical things like, Do you even know, say, for example, your, your team's Myers-Briggs type or other sort of understandings of who you are as individuals in a team? How do you communicate with each other? Um, Are some people more able to be verbal? Do other people need more internal processing? How do they take in information? Like some really foundational basic team building, leadership building um, tools and, and, processes that can help build that space to then move towards the ability to be vulnerable with each other enough to even touch the topic of trauma. It feels like if there isn't a a solid foundation in just basic relationship to start with, moving into a trauma-informed space is going to be that much harder. So those pieces for me felt really important. You know, again, coming back even to Brene Brown's work around um, how do we create vulnerability? How do we cultivate those things in our teams and lots of material out there with your Dare to Lead material and other leadership um, people that can build those skills and tools as a place to land and then bringing in awareness of, of education around what all the things we've talked about. What is trauma? What does it look like? How do we... But I feel like it's important to kind of step back one before you jump into that and actually make sure you have healthy, safe relationships to start with before we move into such a sensitive topic um, like trauma and feel like we can be vulnerable in with each other in that place. I haven't seen it done really well, I'm sad to say, if I'm totally honest. I just haven't, which I think is what's driving my passion to be part of this podcast because it's so needed and I don't see it so um, how can we be instruments of bringing that to pass?
1: Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, Jillian. I have not seen it either, unfortunately, which I believe is why I do the work that I do, working with churches on how to be trauma-informed. And when it comes to just doing the basics of creating healthy relationships, I think part of that is creating physical Um, and emotional safety in your religious environments, Um, whether that looks like making sure the meeting rooms are soundproof or um, for confidentiality purpose or being mindful of the ways that you communicate um, to your staff, making sure that you're not defensive because when we get defensive, we automatically block out what the person is saying and um, it, it stunts our ability to listen, making sure that you're not using language that is um, uh, very high in, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I just had it in here, I'm thinking about John Gottman's uh, Four Horsemen. Uh, contempt- contemptuous language, yeah. Contemptuous language with your staff. I think that is important. Um, when, you're, when you feel offended to not shut down Um, I have literally seen spiritual leaders give their um, team the silent treatment as a way of punishment because they didn't like something, which just simply isn't fair. I think um, another way that a team can be trauma informed is to really learn how to share power and decision-making I think is really important. So many of our churches are steeped in um, patriarchal standards of what church looks like, that it can make it very difficult for power to be shared. Uh, but I think that that gives way to more vulnerability and more transparency um, when people are invited to um, participate in the decision-making. And then being able to recognize people's strengths, I think is really important and acknowledging the strengths and and, inviting them into opportunities to enhance those strengths are so important. And then lastly, I'm thinking about just being over overall inclusive. Yeah. 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 I mean,
0: I, I, part of what I hear you saying, both of you saying is that before we can even, you know, breach the topic of trauma, there have to be safe and equitable relationships being built as the sort of groundwork. Um, and, you know, it, it makes me s- feel sad, but also not surprised (laughs) that neither of you were really, you know, able to come up with examples of, you know, seeing it done positively. Um, One thing came to mind for me, which was um, fairly recently hearing the story about um, a church staff member that was going through a difficult time. And the church leaders almost immediately offered um, a sabbatical, uh, you know, not not as part of her, you know, standard pastor package, but just recognizing you're going through a thing, um, and maybe this would be good for you. And so, just that uh, that awareness and that initiative of I was very impressed with that. Um, the only other thing that came to mind was um, they're seeing some congregations or organizations that make it part of your like salary package that you have um, there is money set aside for you to get help, to get therapy, to get spiritual direction like that. So that that's not an extra expense that, that your leaders and that, and I think that should be true for all, all staff, you know, you don't just prioritize it for a senior pastor or whatever. (laughs) Like if we make that a kind of expected part of, um, all leadership that there is, um, yeah, there's money set aside for your self-care, um, Jillian, an idea you had mentioned to me earlier that I thought was really good one was when you're interviewing people to come on your team, you know, asking them if they have a therapist, like making that an expected part of the culture, Um, asking people as you're interviewing, what's your understanding of trauma and making that an expected part of the culture, um, making trauma training. You know, I've I've seen you, Kendra, offer some trauma-informed training for churches specifically. And I just think that's such a great thing to be um, to be having your as part of your continuing education for, for your staff um, so I, yeah I think all of those are, are great ideas uh, before we move on to this last segment of our conversation let's pause right here to take a breather Kendra will you guide us
1: We have journeyed so many places in today's episode. I want to invite us all to go back to our centering and grounding exercise from earlier in the show. And remember, you can find a comfortable position, whether that is laying down or simply staying seated and allow your body to relax, bring your awareness to your breathing. Reach up above your head stretching your arms stretching your body as tall as you can get it now bring your arms down and let your arms relax in this moment place them at your sides loosely you may even feel your body wanting to bend to the left or the right go with the flow of your body now again bring your arms over your head but this time breathe in as you reach up and stretch And now breathe out as you relax and place your arms at your side. One last time, one more stretch up above your head, arms up as you breathe in. And now bring your arms down, breathing out and relaxing. Sit now and let your arms rest at your sides. And see how your breathing can relax you by taking slow, deep, breaths. Our breathing has its own medicine and 70% of toxins are released through the breath. So breathe in and hold your breath. Now breathe out slowly. Breathe in again, holding that breath. And now breathe out. Continue breathing deeply and slowly. Stretch your muscles, if you like, and come back to this present moment whenever you're ready.
2: Swallowtail Trauma Integration Society is a not-for-profit organization offering
0: treatment and therapies to persons impacted by trauma. Swallowtail provides these services and overcomes barriers like poverty, race, or gender identity that have often hindered access to treatment. The person centered approach empowers individuals for transformation and community connection. Find help online. Search Swallowtail Trauma. Welcome back to Discovering Wholeness. I am Kendall Rothis and I am joined by Kendra Frazier and Jillian Drader. I'm thinking now, as we continue talking not only about a trauma-informed team, but I'm also thinking, how do we create and foster a trauma-informed environment? Um, I think this is something we're going to dive deeper into in later episodes, but now, what are a few like simple steps that come to mind when you think about starting to create a trauma-informed environment, not just for the, the leadership team, but for the whole community? Uh, Kendra, what's, what's coming up for you?
1: I think what's coming up for me is um, what you said earlier is really integrating the language of trauma-informed practice or trauma-informed in and of itself into your preaching into your Bible studies, into just the overall ethos of your church. I think that making people aware of what trauma is, teaching them how to recognize the signs and symptoms of trauma and realizing how widespread it is in our world is really important to get people connected to not only what's happening outside of them, but what has happened to them or inside of them as well. I think, making people aware of the space initially when people walk in, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of where the exit doors are. Um, where they can go to get some quiet time within the church space is also very important mm-hmm. just physically to invite safety in. Being invitational, which I think we've talked about earlier also comes to mind, offering people choices, empowering people's voices are so important to really be able to name how they're feeling, when they're feeling it. Um, and also really talking about um, historical trauma and uh, the ways that our communities are impacted by it and how um, implicit biases show up in our communities are so important to be able to confront those things that come up so we can navigate through them in some really healthy ways. Um, And then asking yourself the question too, is is my church intentional about creating diversity and equity within the church space and within the community around us? And and if so, what does that look like? Do you have people of color serving in leadership positions? Um, Those are some of the first things that are coming to mind, in addition to making sure that in your budget, like you said, Kendall, is outlined for wellness and for for Mm -hmm. care. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think you're so right about bringing this topic of trauma up in, in sermons and in Bible studies, there's this, this power to normalizing the conversation about trauma so that it's it's just a normal part of what we talk about. Um, and then also when you were talking about, you know helping orient people to space, I was reminded of, when I was working as a pastor, Occasionally having people email me before they ever visited the church to say, you know, I'm thinking of coming, but, you know, I kind of have this baggage with church and I'm not sure. And it was like really helpful to just say really concrete things to them. Like when you come in, you'll walk through the doors, you'll turn to your right. Um, this A person will be there to greet you, you know, <laughs> just giving people these concrete um picture of like this is what the building looks like this is where you go to sit down this is where you can go to the restroom this <laughs> it helped people feel more comfortable i think because they they weren't entering into such a um unknown space mm-hmm. um so i think even things like clear signage i mean you know just letting mm-hmm. letting people have as much information as they want to you know maybe putting it on the website like here's where you park Here's the right door to enter. It just helps people feel more comfortable. Um, and, and that's a way to be hospitable, but it's also a way, I think, to, to be more trauma-informed because, um, you know, there's a lot, there's higher anxiety in the in uh, people who have been traumatized. And so anything you can do to lower that anxiety, I think, is helpful.
1: Absolutely. And I think starting with the basics, it's so key, even the basics of signage, making sure that all of the staff have identification that is uniformed. I'm also thinking about um, just making sure that um, people have access to resources, whether that's pamphlets on stress reduction or mental health um, resources or pamphlets on trauma um, so they can continue to educate themselves.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, anything else coming up
2: for you, Jillian, about how to create a trauma informed environment? Kendra, you just covered so much so well, um, and and I'm just also really feeling like the emphasis on on the tie and and the the interweaving of diversity inclusion and trauma informed, like you know, not all people respond to even this topic in the same way and just being sensitive to that as well. And, and the practical things of what came to my mind right away is like, can we just please stop asking people to have to come to the front for prayer? Like, can we just stop doing that? Um, Like making safe space, even in those moments of, okay, yeah, I'm feeling like maybe right now in this moment, I'm being invited, you know, the spirit is in me saying like, go reach out, but I'm not going to the front of this bunch of people to do that. So, you know, having prayer space in a different part of the room or someplace where people can go, that feels a little less overwhelming and having people available, you know, sort of right after during the social time, if that's part of your church's practice and um, being sensitive to those things. And I agree, like information, resources, making them readily available, current, um, accessible, all of those kinds of things uh, are are the other things I would just add to what Kendra said, but everything you said is absolutely critical.
1: I totally agree with what Jillian said. Um, She makes me think about um, consent and asking for consent, particularly when you go to a church and They're extending an invitation for you to get up and hug somebody or shake somebody saying, making sure that you're asking for permission. And also the use use of self-disclosure sticks out for me, particularly as a, a clinical social worker and how to use it, when to use it which is one reason why I named my own experience of dealing with shame, not to make it about me, but to invite other people to know that we are humans as spiritual leaders. And I think that it's important to name where you are so people can have their own invitation to be vulnerable, to be well, to seek wellness um, in and of themselves because we are not an isolated island. I feel like as human beings, we all go through similar experiences and none of us are immune to the circumstances of life when they come that um, place us in those dark, dark nights of the soul. Um, so it's important for people to really know that um, it's OK and that you can survive through trauma. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the leadership being open and honest is so um, just can be freeing for the whole community. Uh, it also made me think of, um, you know, offering trigger warnings when you are going to talk about something difficult from from the pulpit or from the front of the room, um, so that people have some warning.
2: If I can just jump in, um, one of the things that just popped into my mind as Kendra was just saying that about um, the dark night of the soul that I think is also important for leadership or ministry people um in within a congregational setting even on a sunday morning or through the weekend bible studies is to have a basic understanding of just even mental health um not even specifically trauma but i i was reminded of that as Kendra was saying that because i was listening to a podcast recently by dr james finley um who is a clinical psychologist and also um, contemplative um spiritual teacher, I guess you would call him. And he talks about the importance of discerning. Um, he was reflecting on John on the cross and the importance of discerning between what is a dark night of the soul, a spiritual crisis, as opposed to actual clinical depression and how often that can get missed in a church setting. And so, um, you know, we're not addressing maybe mental health issues that need to be acknowledged and, and uh, worked through or referred on. Um, uh, And so that also I think is just a helpful way for a team to be trauma informed, yes, but just in general also understand what is some basic things to watch for overall with mental health with with people in your community um, that could probably intertwine with trauma because trauma often has a comorbidity about it. There's other things that show up alongside it, um, being just basically aware of what to watch for rather than missing that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of what I was going to say, which was um, a second ago, which was um, having mental health resources available for your community. So not just offering prayer, but do you know the good, good trauma informed therapist in town to point congregants to um, if you're discussing a really heavy topic? Do you want to maybe invite a therapist to be in the room for, you know, anyone who who may need uh, a little bit of extra support? So just, you know, kind of being aware of um, how you can provide additional support outside of a service if someone's um, trauma gets activated. Um, I'm wondering, you know, we don't we don't have time to, you know, say everything about how to to create a trauma-informed leadership team or environment today. And so if someone's really interested in this subject and they want to do some more learning, um, obviously we invite them to keep listening to our podcast, but also what else can, can we point people to before we wrap up today? Could you guys share some resources, books, websites, et cetera, that, that you would recommend?
1: We definitely, since we mentioned it in this episode, have to recommend Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, who really spent some really good time talking about shame and being shame resilient. Um, Radical Dharma, I would recommend um, Talking Race, Love and Liberation by Reverend Angel Kyoto and Lama Rod Owens. Um, and one of um, another book. Uh, that helped me in my beginning understanding of trauma is The Body Keeps the Score, Brain Mind and Body and the Healing of Trauma by Dr. Bessel Van Dirk Kolk. And then My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies by Resma Menachem. And for those that have experienced um, trauma in the church and are looking for alternative spiritual communities, the Holy Shit Podcast is an amazing podcast um, by a dear friend of mine, um, Reverend Brendan Maxwell, um, and two other co-hosts. And then for Black and Brown um, people, the Nat ministry on Instagram, which is specifically for Black and Brown people. But of course, everybody can um, get uh, a benefit from, I would also recommend.
0: I've also thought about, you've mentioned this before, um, Is her name Marlene Wynell? Am I getting that correct? Yeah, she writes about um, specifically religious trauma, um, which I think is really helpful. And um, I've heard a lot of people recommend Peter Levine. Yeah, his book, Walking the Tiger. He has a few others. So, those are just a few of the resources that we are aware of. We're going to put those in the show notes for you. We're going to add a few more as they come to mind so that you can visit those resources, get the names, the titles, the authors. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in to Discovering Wholeness. We hope you will join us next week
2: for our episode on The Wounded Seeker. As we close this episode, we invite you to join us in this closing ritual. So just grounding yourself and inviting you to place your right hand over your heart and say aloud, I am whole.
1: I'm Kendra Frazier.
2: I'm Jillian Drader. And I'm Kendall Raffes. We are Discovering Wholeness, Healing Trauma, Unearthing Self.
1: Join us in conversation at Discovering Wholeness Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Also at Discovering Wholeness Podcast, you can reach out to each of the hosts and also find out more about our practices.
2: Discovering Wholeness is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. If you are in crisis
0: and need help in the United States, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's one 1-800- 800
2: In Canada, call the Center for Suicide Prevention at 1-833-456-4566. That's 1-833-456-4566.
1: You can also use the Crisis Text Line from either country by texting the word HOME to 741 741, that's HOME, H-O-M-E to 741-741 to access a crisis counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week.